0: Enjoy the teaching this morning and we love y'all and here comes Rory DJ everybody thankful for his uh helping today with the announcements He's got a spiritual gift there. I think Um, it's great to see all of you if you want to grab your bibles and if you don't have one lift your hands up Uh, we have a little less of the scriptures on the screen this morning And uh Excited to celebrate mother 's Day with all the moms here, sadly, uh, my kids had fevers this weekend, my little ones, and so my wife had to stay home and miss a special Sunday service where all you little guys are in here with us bigger bigger little guys, not everyone's little but um, uh, we 're in First Timothy chapter four on this mother 's day, and um, I love it when it just kind of works out that just the text that you're in uh, just provides some good words for us in the uh, season of life or the, you know, the place where our minds go on a day like today, like Mother's Day. And uh, chapter five is where we're at. uh, Verses one through 16 gives some good words to us, uh, even as children. Um, and uh, encouragement for those of you here who are mothers. So if you'll stand with me, we'll read 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. I'll read it. You can follow along. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity "'Honor widows who are really widows. "'But if any widow has children or grandchildren, "'let them first learn to show piety at home "'and to repay their parents, "'for this is good and acceptable before God. "'Now she who is really a widow and left alone "'trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers "'night and day. "'But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. "'And these things command that they may be blameless.' But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she's been the wife of one man. Well reported for good works. If she's brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she's washed the saints' feet, if she's relieved the afflicted, if she's diligently followed every good work, But refuse the younger widows, for when they've begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they've cast off their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle but also gossips and busybodies, or bittybodies, itty-bittybodies, okay, Um, saying things which they ought not. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them. And do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those who are really widows. Lord, as we come to your word we 've got this crazy 16 verses about uh, an issue for women who have um, lost their husbands and uh, and there's a lot there there's a lot that's not there and uh, and Lord we we want this today to be an effective day where your word shapes us and conforms us into the image of Jesus uh, where we don't just have a heap of to-dos placed upon us, and we're not given any power or reason why to do them. And so, Lord, we would just pray that you would light a fire in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. You'd let Jesus go before us as an example, uh, that we could, as children, love our mothers, take care of our mothers, and, uh, and take care of the women in our church who are in need. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go ahead and have a seat. Well, we got the kids in with us today, and it's, you know, always good to have them in. It's always fun to have you in when it's like a fun, upbeat, woo, message where the kids are like, oh, I'm hanging on your every word, Rory, you know? And so today's one of those days because we're talking about widows, you know? And so I know you kids are like, I don't even know what a widow is, you know? so with kids usually i'm like man i gotta like come up with a really good joke about whatever i'm teaching on to really get them in and and so i tried to find a find a widow joke and they were all way too big um get it widow a widow joke a widow widow (laughs) nothing nobody no okay john okay anyways holy spirit come back we need you here um So verses 1 through 16, we have some great encouragement towards how we're to behave to the members of the body of Christ. And 1 Timothy chapter 3, so if you just go back two chapters, verse 15 gives us the key verse of the the book. It says uh, halfway through... if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So this all just is, is together with everything from chapter one and where he's, uh, Paul is exhorting Timothy to watch out for those men that are leading and teaching false doctrine and people who are going astray and giving place for idle talk. Uh, everything, uh, in chapter two about, you know, God, our savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And, uh, and because he's such a savior, God, he desires, um, you know, men to behave properly in the church, worshiping and praying with, uh, holy hands lifted up without wrath and doubting. He desires because God is savior and the whole world needs to know about him that women would adorn themselves with propriety and moderation Uh, that they would adorn themselves with good works as it's fitting for women professing godliness because God is the savior and desires all men everywhere to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, You know, uh, there's structure to the leadership of the church and the gender roles within the church and that it's God's desire that men rise up and be leaders within the church. And because God is a savior who desires everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, those men ought to be qualified men of character And function, whether it's the elder and the pastoral office or the deacon office, Uh, because God is Savior and desires all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, He teaches us how we ought to conduct ourselves in the household of God because we are the pillar of Of God in this world we are the pillar and ground of the truth in this world we show people who God is and we preach the gospel that he is a God of love and reconciliation and mercy and justice and judgment and wrath towards sinners but he desires men to repent and and so there's just this theme that goes through you know because God is a God of savior he wants us to watch out for those who are falling away from the faith he wants leaders to develop great characteristics as we looked last week through uh, the rest of chapter uh, four as well in chapter four we see again that God is the savior um, <clears throat> and uh, and that takes us into chapter five where you know this God the Savior that, that is a God of truth he's a God of holiness um, He desires within the church people to be treated a certain way. This this exhortation towards older men, older women, brothers, sisters, or widows isn't separate from the first uh, four chapters of the book, nor is it separated from the last chapter of the book. It all ties together. And so uh, we have just this great encouragement uh, for um, behavior towards older men. Look in verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man. Uh, that speaks of a sharp rebuke towards him or speaking harshly toward him. Uh, there's like a severe censorship towards the older men. And so Paul, this uh, rather Timothy, this young pastor, has just said, man, just watch how you speak towards the older men in the congregation. Uh, not only the elders in the church, but also the older guys. And so uh, as Hughes says, rather than having a a tongue that lashes out, there must be filial discomfort in rebuking an older man. And he says, imagine yourself having to rebuke your father and the natural humility and trepidation that would engulf you. And you've got the idea. I don't know if you've ever had to rebuke your father, but you know, you would just go in with, with hopefully you would go in with humility and love and gentleness and and much more of an exhortation than a sharp rebuke or, rebuke or speaking harshly uh, to this gentleman. There ought to be affection and respect uh, when we're correcting older men. And then younger men, still affection and respect. We would speak to them as brothers. We would give honor to whom honor is due. Whether it's the older folks, and we would be clothed with humility when we speak to the younger folks. Look at verse 2 older women as mothers and so the older women you know there's times when older women need corrections spoken into their life and and you know this younger pastor Timothy uh should should speak with just a reverence and a humility and a care and a tenderness as he would speak to mom you know uh, there it is. There's your Mother's Day passage for you today, and I'm sure you're all encouraged, women. You know, uh, wow, so the pastor is going to speak nicely to me. That is a great Mother's Day gift, and put a bow on it. It's for you today. Um, but uh, we have just this care for the older women, that they would be treated as mothers, and, but also for the younger women. They would be treated as sisters, as fellow believers, just like the brothers, fellow believers, But notice with these younger women, it's to be with all purity. So the relationship that a young pastor would have with the younger women, encouraging a sister, there should be all purity. Or one translation says absolute purity. Or the Phillips translation says treat the younger women as sisters and no more. Nothing more than being a sister. Um, I had to crack up because because a memory came back to me. Back when I was a youth pastor, um, our middle school pastor was doing a camp, and he put together this hilarious camp rules video that we showed uh, to all the kids at the beginning of the camp. And so, you know, the camp rules are typically things like, you know, don't bring any guns with you, you know, and, you know... (laughs) And, you know, they include things like uh, go to bed when it's time to go to bed and don't go down the water slide at night. You know, make sure people are there. with you. And and uh, also like, hey, leave leave the thought of developing any romance here at camp. Leave that at home. You know, so my buddy Tom did this video where um, he had the middle school kids act out in it. And one girl's showing up to camp, you know, and she shows up to the table. And they're like, do you have any contraband? Do you have any this or this to turn over? And, and she's like, well, I've got a few weapons on me, you know. And she just ends up, it's one of those hilarious comedy things where she's laying down all kinds of guns and throwing stars and ninja knives. And, you know, it's just this giant, you know, cache of weaponry on the table as she's turning in, you know, her stuff for camp. Uh, and then the, the video goes on to uh, talk about camp romances, and uh, this, this kid, Caleb, shows up to camp, you know, and, and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm so excited to uh, meet some of the ladies here at camp, you know, and, and uh, in comes uh, Sarah into the room, and that song, Sarah, Sarah, you know, and, you know, everything's just like, you know, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Sarah sets her purse down, and as she comes up, it's Caleb's sister, Bethany and uh so you know just in the movie with this you know as you just here she comes and and he's like what you know oh no 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 and she's like you know and uh oh it's my sister bethany oh you know and uh, really it's it's a great perspective to have as we walk in relationship with one another that if it isn't our wife then it's our sister and we ought to think with all purity uh, towards these younger women and so uh then we get into verse three um, and we get into this passage about uh, the care for the widows. And I, I just titled today's message, Prepare to Care. Prepare to Care. And, and really, it's for you kids. You know, it's for the Sorens in the room, and it's for the Russells, in the, especially the Russell in the room, because he needs to prepare to care for me and my wife. Um, But all the kids in here, especially, but also those of us that we've got uh, mothers and fathers and grandparents that are getting older, there's a great exhortation to us uh, to prepare to care. And verse 3 starts out with, honor widows who are really widows. And I don't know how many of you have read through the Old Testament, but even in your first read through as you're a new Christian, something that you regularly see is is that God is a God who cares for the widows and he cares for the fatherless. And that comes up time and time again as you're reading the Old Testament, as you're reading the New Testament. As part of the loving, gracious, merciful, compassionate character of God that he cares for the widows. He understands. He like, has a sympathy for men and women who lose the love of their life. He understands that that's a tragedy, that that's tragic, that that is hard on a heart. And I love that about the Lord. I love that in his holiness, I love that in just who he is, in just absolute perfection and beauty, I love that he cares for the outcasts. And he cares for the hurting and he cares for the broken and he cares for the widows and he cares for the orphans, especially the widows and the orphans. Those are those that that they just they often can't repay kindness. They often are just in a place where they are in desperation. They are in need of someone to love and to take care of them. And so in Exodus 22, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, you know, the Lord speaks about, hey, if there's a widow among you, you better take care of her because I will find out if you don't. <laughs> I will find out if you speak reproachfully about this widow. I will find out if you neglect this widow, uh, you know, and, and I, I hear things. I, I know how to hear things. I'm God. don't know if you know, but I know how you're treating these widows. And this went into the New Testament church in Acts chapter 6. You see that there was kind of a soup kitchen or a meals ministry that was for the widows. And the Hellenistic Greek-speaking widows there in Jerusalem began to feel neglected in the daily distribution of the food. And so a complaint arose among them, and rightly so. There was neglect happening. And the early church did what they could to help amend that neglect because they cared for the widows. They knew the Lord's heart in caring for these women. They cared because they knew that their expression towards the women was a direct expression of their relationship with God. In fact, James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 27, that the most pure and undefiled form of religion before God and men is this. That you take care or or um, how does it say, is to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted uh, from the world. And so before the Lord and before men who are out there in the community observing your religion, one of the best ways to just show a genuine religion, a good form of religion, a religion that, that speaks of a changed heart inside that moves itself outwards in beautiful actions towards God and men, one of the most tangible expressions is, how are you caring for those in our society that cannot care for themselves? And so the church made a big deal about taking care of the widows because they knew it meant, and it showed the world, that they had to care for the Lord. Now, as we get into this section, it's not for us in 2018 Primeville just this verbatim manual that we can just take and deal with today um, and and learn how to deal with our widows just from this because there were different things going on back there and the times have changed. Uh, There are some good principles for us, but there's also historical things that Paul was actually dealing with there in Ephesus. And so uh, there's some good things for us and that we're going to glean today, even on this Mother's Day. And then there's things that we get and gather Paul's addressing in the letter to what was going on then and so the first thing is honor widows who are really widows or they're wee 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 widows right Um, it's been said a widow in need is a widow indeed and that's uh, truly what Paul is getting across here you might underline in your text really widows that phrase is used three times in this 16 verses they are truly widows was there an issue with false widows um apparently apparently there were either gals that were faking their widowhood or they were um they were not in a place where they were in absolute need or we're going to get into later on in our section uh there was a behavior about these women that was not a real godly widow that uh that paul would be referring to here so uh, honor widows who are really widows. Set a price on these widows. Uh, simply being a widow did not qualify a woman for support. Uh, there was to be this true qualification for widow I don 't know is widowhood the way to widowhood. widowing, widower I don't know. but um, it's interesting because I live in a time right now where up on Yellow Pine Street, Uh, last winter, my neighbor Ken on my left, uh, his wife passed away. And, uh, so it was during the big storm last winter and the Lord just moved on my heart to just take care of all the snow in Ken's driveway and to just serve him and love on him. You know, he's 90 years old. He's dealing with the loss of his wife. He's got family there that have come to, you know, say goodbye and help take care of the affairs of the family and, and just, man, how can I just love and show honor to this widower? And then uh, within the year, two houses up on my right, uh, Jim passed away, 90 years old. And again, you know, big driveway, uh, needs plowed, and just I'd just go and I'd love on Kay and I'd just speak encouragement to her and love on her and share the gospel. And, and, uh, and then just as you know, a couple weeks ago, right next door to me, my friend Buddy passed away. And so now Dartha is next door and she's... A, so I'm in this situation where uh, you know uh, one can has moved away but I've got two widows living right next door to me and I just keep my eye on them and I just what do they need and how can they be loved on and run up the you know I see them out taking their trash can out and just run out and love on them and so you know that's a great thing it's not exactly what Paul's talking about here but you know doesn't your heart just stir for compassion to those women that have lost their husbands and they're just going through sorrowful times and of course the men uh, as well that have lost their wives. But, but uh, you know, we see this, we're going to see more what Paul meant about really a widow here. Um, but uh, a widow in need is a widow indeed. And let's look at verse four. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. So the second thing we see is that if our Christianity doesn't work at home, then it doesn't work at all. As Christians, we're to be serving and loving those in our, in our home, laying down our life for them. It's there in the day and the night and the good times and the bad times that we're walking in the spirit, that we're applying the gospel to our situations in life, and we're serving and laying down our lives for our family. And as that is happening at home, which is where integrity and character are, are just shown in its purest form, then it can go out from our home uh, to the rest of the world, and so if uh, and I, I believe that this is especially this, and in a couple of verses, this is just a word for all the children in the room, you know on this mother 's day, having you in here it's it 's for you, for you fifth graders and fourth graders, you junior hires, and then of course man we 're dealing with it in our age now, many of us in our middle age, and, and what we 're looking forward to and of course there's many of you here that you're on the other end of it you are the widow or you're those that are preparing for what being a widow might look like and so this is a really good word for us this is where just this prepare to care comes in for us and it's this if any widow has children or grandchildren let them first learn to show piety and repay their parents so uh you know we've got these, these women who they're at the end of their life, they've gone through those life situations where young in their life, they got married and they didn't have any money when they got married, you know, then as they get married, they, you know, they begin their careers and they start their investments and, you know, uh, their financial prospects go way up. Uh, They, you know, they're well taken care of. Then towards the end of their life, they're kind of living on their retirement savings and, you know, they've helped out. And just by the end, you know, it just kind of goes back down, you know, and they're in need and they're needing care. And what do you do at that time in your life? Well, the beautiful thing is, is that God has you covered if you have children and also if you have grandchildren. So I was thinking about this as I was studying this this week. And um, man, honestly, uh, I was 19 years old when my dad died. And so I had a widow for a mother since I was 19 years old. I've had a widow for a mother. She's never remarried. She's been in love with my father uh, for the last 17 years since he's died. She just loves my dad. She just still, just there's no one that could ever take his place. There's, you know, no other man out there that I just even want to spend time, you know, it's just I've, I've had my man, you know, and now I've got Jesus. And but since I was 19 years old. And my sister was 15 when my dad died. And so you might all think, all of you young ones, that, you know, man, this is like the, this is, boy, this is a great Mother's Day message, you know. Really, I don't even know any widows. I don't even know what, you know. And, uh, and I'm just telling you, a couple years of, a couple good summer vacations with your family and a couple, couple more school years go by. And I'm telling you, there are people in this room, you will experience what me and my family experienced. Where mom or dad are a widow. In fact, when I was in fifth grade, my dad had such a severe form of cancer, it was as if my mom was a widow. She was taking care of the family. She was cleaning houses to help pay for medical. But, you know, it was as if it was a hard situation. And so we live in, in a time where we just don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And so we need to learn these things These principles from 1 Timothy so that as time goes on and we're confronted with these tough, difficult tragedies and circumstances that we're already prepared to take care of mom or take care of dad. And, you know, I was just memorizing this verse this week and just, you know, it just helps you really ponder when you're memorizing it and you just repeating it, repeating it. And I just started bawling at my kitchen table. I just started bawling because I was 19, you know. And, uh, man, I'm I'm just out of high school. I'm ready to, like, live the life of someone who's independent. And now my mom kind of needs me. And, uh, and, you know, I've got my eye on this Lindsay girl, you know. And I'm kind of like, I just want to go be with you, you know. And then I end up marrying that Lindsay girl. And I just want to be with you, you know. And my mom, who just lonely and grieving and just... Needing me at that time, I just I was just convicted and grieved of some neglect on the part of my widow mother as a youth, and Lindsay and I went out on a date this week and i 'm just sharing her and i 'm just crying at dylan's i 'm just like, man, my mom, my mom i I, I didn 't think this verse through as a youth it 's good for us to think through now, think of your mom's kids, think of your dads, think about what are you going to do?" when that call comes that your mom or your dad has passed away and how are you going to step up into the role that God has given you not only as a child but it's also applicable to your grandparents and the same thing has happened within my my relationship with my grandparents my grandpa was 96 years old this year when he passed away 96 years old lived on his own just a great guy (laughs) Really, he had his great, great things about him, but he burned every bridge that he had. And none of the grandkids wanted to come be with him, accusing them of stealing and, you know, just, he'd he'd just write you out of the, the will, just kick you out to the curb, you know, all of that. And it's just difficult when you live in another town and just, you're not really considering the ways that even from a distance, you can be a part of your duty as a man or a woman of God to care for Grandpa and to come along and be part of gospel self-sacrifice and service towards those who've given you life. Think about it. It's time to start thinking about it now and to be prepared. You know, Proverbs 31 tells us of the virtuous wife, that her children will rise up and call her blessed. These moms that we have that You know, gosh, we just care for our mothers. We honor our mother, as the commandment says. We're considerate towards our mother, and we rise up. When was the last time, kids, you rose up and called your mother blessed? And how about as time goes on, are you prepared as mom starts going gray? As mom starts losing her memory? As mom starts, you know, uh, just not being able to care for her own needs? Are you prepared to rise up? And call your mother blessed. You know that Jesus lived this? That Jesus serves as an example to us? You know, even when Jesus was 12 years old, which is the number of many of the kids in our room, the age of many of the kids, he went to the temple with his mom and dad, and it says he was subject to Mary and Joseph. He was subject to them. That means he obeyed them. He's God. And yet he honored his mother and father. He was subject to them. And it says that his mother kept all these things in her heart. She was was still his mom. Mary, the mother of Jesus, kept these things in her heart. And then when Jesus was on the cross in John 19, there he is on the cross. Mary is down before. She's a widow at this point. Nobody really knows what happened to Joseph, but it's believed she's a widow at this point. And as he's on the cross, he's taking care of his last will and testament. And he looks down off the cross and he says, John, behold your mother. Now you need to take, his arms were still up here, but you get what I'm saying. I didn't know I could just do this. No, Uh, you know, John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. I'm I'm aware that I'm going to go take care of, you know, saving the world, but I want my mom to be taken care of. Even Jesus lived that out. When a little girl is taken care of by her mom, she lays her head down on her pillow at night, and she can sleep easily because she knows that mom's going to be there in the morning, and she's going to take care of her every need the next day. But you know, even that same night, a mom lays her head on her pillow. And she can sleep easy. She should be able to sleep easy because she knows my little girl or my little boy is going to take care of me when I can't take care of myself anymore. And Jesus even said to Peter, and it was kind of prophetic of just every one of our lives, you know, when you were little, people put your diaper on and wrapped you up and carried you where you didn't know you were going to go. And of course it spoke of Peter's death, but he says, even when you're older, people are going to wrap you up and carry you where you don't want to go. And it's just kind of a picture of, well, everybody. That that is everybody. (laughs) That's kind of how we end this thing. And so why would we do this for our parents, kids? Well, the verse continues that this is good and acceptable before God. Why? Why would we do this? Why why does it matter? Because God, our creator, who has creator rights over us, and knows how everything ought to operate to just work in synergy and beauty and bring glory to him. This is good, guys. It's good to be thinking about how you're going to take care of grandma, grandpa, mom, and dad. This is good and acceptable before God. As Ephesians 6.1 says, When you honor your mother in this way, it's the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Now well, let's move on in verse 5, 1 Timothy 5 5. Now she who is really a widow, so again, we have that word, that phrase again, really a widow, and left alone, trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. So we have this she who's really a widow, uh, she's left alone, she's without relatives. Um, the language speaks of like literally she's left entirely alone she she's an orphan who's grown up she's got no way to uh, receive help from anyone but God she's got no money she's got no provision and she really just trusts in the Lord and the language says that she just goes to prayer I've got no one and nothing but you Lord and so I continue in supplications and prayers I continue night and day in that I'm quoting from the Sermon on the Mount that, Lord, you take care of the birds of the sky and the flowers of the field, and here I am, I've got no one but you to take care of me, Lord. That's, that's a real widow. A real widow who's got nothing and nobody but the Lord. She's, she's the widow that we read of in Luke 2.36, a widow named Anna in the Christmas story. This Anna was a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, it says she was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was, a, woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And so, you know, this, this real widow, Anna is a great example of that. She, she was widowed really very young and she just like, similar to my mother, never remarried and just went towards prayer and serving the Lord in the temple um, night and day. And she began to pray night and day. She cried out to the Lord. As Hughes said, a widow was to be supported by the church only if she was destitute Without resources, without the customary dowry, and with no family to help her. Verse six, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. So you kind of have real widows. So this widow, I've got nothing, nobody but the Lord. I'm just going, I'm trusting the Lord. And then you've got a widow who perhaps her husband died, and yet she's just still not really a widow. She's not one of these real widows that's to be honored. She is someone who lives in pleasure, kind of like the husband dies and she's like, freedom, you know, let's go to Vegas. Let's just go, you know, I'm, I'm just still young. I've got a lot of beauty to me and I'm just going to go, you know, jingling about the mall or something, you know. And, uh, and, and yet, even though she's living in pleasure, which to our world system today seems like real life, doesn't it? That seems like real life. Well, Paul says no. She's dead while she lives. She's dead while she lives. She's like Babylon in Revelation who glorifies herself, lives luxuriously, says in her heart, I sit as a queen and I'm no widow and I will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come upon her in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. She's dead while she lives. That's a strong phrase. But you know what? It's it's an idea that is all through the word. Dead while you live. You know, kind of the walking dead idea. In Ephesians 2, 1, it says, You he made alive while you were dead in trespasses and sins. So think about that for a second. I was dead in trespasses and sins. And yet he made me alive. And then Ephesians 5:14 says, "Awake those of you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light." Revelation again says to one of the seven churches, "Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and you don't know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And so Jesus says to someone like that, I just counsel you to buy from me gold that's been refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. You know, many of us, and even in this room, you think that you're alive, but you're really dead. You're living for your pleasures, or you're living thinking that life comes from someone that is not Jesus. Life comes from something that is not Jesus. But Paul tells us that there's a definite distinction between just existing and having actual life otherwise why would he say i came that you might believe in me and that by believing in me you might have life or in john 3 3 jesus answered and said most assuredly i say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god so someone can be in existence and still be dead spiritually dead as ephesians says existing but dead kind of in this you know weird twilight type stage spiritually dead needing to be born again by the spirit so that they can truly have life and jesus says and that life is in me and just as i was studying and reading this week thinking of this text Some of my thoughts are going to come just a little bit later in a couple verses, but one of the preachers I listened to just put it so well, and it just summed up my heart as I was thinking about the the walking dead that is this jingling widow, you know, existing but not alive. And, And let me just read to you what he said. He said, a number of folks who are now involved in religious pursuits are the walking dead. And this is while your mind is gone. You have been confirmed fronted by the fact that you are merely existing your life is not all that you anticipated it should be you do not have an understanding of why you exist where you're going or what is about to happen to you should you die and someone has suggested to you that if you were to involve yourself in religious activities or in christian pursuits then existence plus religious activities will equal life. And you've been trying that, and you are as dead as you always were. In fact, you are even more miserable than you were before you were thinking about trying this approach, because when you were thinking about trying it, you held out hope to you. But now that you've begun it, this religion plus existence, it's hopeless, and you've identified the fact That your mere physical existence, devoid of the reality of God's liberating power within your life, has left you pretty wretched. I can explain exactly why that is. It's because you are dead. So do you say to yourself, I'll do something about it. Like what? Did you ever see a dead person do something about it? Dead people don't do anything about it. Dead people just lie there. So, if the widow is dead, even though she's jangling around the mall, how is she going to be made alive? The same way that any of us are made alive. When God comes by His Spirit and opens up our eyes to the fact of our deadness, He speaks into the very emptiness of our human existence in a great mystery as the word of god is made clear to us our eyes are open and our ears are unstopped and suddenly the lights go on and we find ourselves saying lord i believe help me with my unbelief or like the philippian jailer lord what am i to do to be saved if you believe on the lord jesus christ you will be saved and so as we study this passage in so much of 1st timothy that is kind of like a lot of To-do lists. And so today, you know, we're learning about, hey, you know, how to take care of widows or mom or grandma and like, hey, make sure to do really good to take care of mom and be thinking about what you're going to do, you know, later on. Might not be too later on, but, you know, what are you going to do? We can't just go about it just trying to be good people and trying to be religious. Okay, because even the pagans can can show some sort of form of that in fact let's move on because i want to get to verse 8 it continues that thought for me but verse 7 says these things command that they should be blameless and then look at verse 8 but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever okay so kids listen up again okay because he kind of It was all the same thought, but now he's coming back to help you kids today on Mother's Day, thinking about taking care of mom and dad later on in life. Okay. If anyone doesn't take care of their own relatives, providing for their own household, you're more sick than someone that doesn't know God, someone that's never known Jesus, some of those pagans out there in the farthest reaches of the world, you're more sick than they are. And why is that? Because even the pagans know you ought to take care of your mom and dad. Even the, pa- the Romans knew that. When we were in Nepal this year, we were at our, one of our final villages that we were trekking up through. And where we stayed was this woman whose husband died of lung cancer. Like a year before, two years before. So she was a widow. And I don't know, she might have been, we kind of have a joke that, the 40-year-old women look like they're 95 there, you know, because of, like, the, the hard life that they live. Oh, oh, grandma, you know, um, oh, she's actually 35. You know, oh, okay, I'm sorry, you know, but uh, it's kind of our, we kind of chuckle, you know. Um, but, you know, this, she was a widow, and she was probably 45 or so. And she's there in her guest house taking care of her husband's mom, who's a widow. And I think she was, like, 82 or something, And then over here on this bed in the kitchen is her mom. This is little white-haired, just cozied up with Nepali quilts, like up to here, you know, like on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, you got grandpa there, like, in his bed, you know. Um, And so we go into this guest house, and we've got a widow taking care of a widow. Oh, and by the way, she's also taking care of a widow. And she's Tibetan Buddhist. They know to take care of of their parents and grandparents. The Romans do. The Mormons do. The Muslims do. The Jehovah's Witnesses do. They do it. So if you're not doing it, man, you're worse than they are. You're not a Christian. Alright? There's no evidence in your life of the Spirit when even those who don't have the Spirit are taking care of their loved ones. Of course, there's application for men who are not providing for their children, not providing for their wives. They're lazy. They're boys trapped in men's bodies. They're playing video games all day and watching TV all day and playing with their toys. And they're out living their man dream. And you've got kids that are going to hell because you're not providing for their spiritual needs. And you got kids that are going hungry and they're sick because you're not caring for their spiritual needs.
1: You're worse than an unbeliever and you call yourself a Christian. But the thing is, what I'm telling you today isn't just, okay, then just go ahead and kind of slap on your back like a religious lifestyle that now all of a sudden is going to go ahead and start taking care of mom and start taking care of dad because that's what religious people do. that would be dead man walking. You need to have an internal combustion of the holy spirit of god within that makes this dead man come alive you know, and you start living out this life of godliness in so many ways that the scriptures tell us to because you're a new creation in christ you're a new man you're a new woman and the holy spirit in you through His Word and through His conviction tells you you need to start taking care of your mom. I'm just thinking my mother's birthday was yesterday. It always falls on Mother's Day weekend. Sometimes it's on Mother's Day, sometimes it's the day before, and uh, and I just called her, you know, and she's at the beach, and we we're gonna try to make it over there for that, and and I'm just looking at her, and I'm just like, man, I can just I just sense that, you know, as the time starts going on, like we're gonna really need to be much more intentional. About the care for mom, and it's just so neat because we see it in our church, don't we? We know it's happening in our church, and we know it's neglected in our church. Just visiting a friend in Portland this week who uh, bought a beautiful farm outside of boring Oregon, and uh, his mom and dad are getting older, and so he they built a another house on the back of like full on. It's not a mother in law's quarters. It's like a whole in laws quarters. They built a house on the back of their house so they can be planning to take care of mom and dad and then my wife's grandmother is a widow and she's beginning to have uh you know what do you call it when you forget things i don't know you forget things alzheimer's you know or i was going to say incompetence or that's not it though it's dementia and uh you know so she's just kind of forgetting things and needs help you know just needs help with just daily stuff and and it was so cool because she was up here visiting. Lizzie's aunt moved to Prineville, and they were up visiting. And, and they took her back down to Redding, where she's from. And one of the sisters drove her down to Redding, and and uh, put her in the house. You know, they go into the home, and just something happened where my wife's aunt just said, "We can't leave you by. Her. We can't can't leave you here." So they loaded all her stuff up in a car and drove back to Klamath Falls. And they've worked out how she's going to go between Klamath and Prineville. and you know. So we're going to have grandma around more, and it's just
0: neat to see this It's neat to see the care.
1: The care. And it shows, man, there's true and undefiled religion before God and man. So let's hustle through the rest of this text. We'll have the worship team come on up. Because we have, as we move on, in verses 9 through 16, we have kind of a list of requirements for these real widows, and it It doesn't seem necessarily like with the interpretation that, um, hey, widows, you have to have this, this, and this to be added to our roster of widows in the church. Uh, It kind of sounds like that at first read, but as you study it, it's more like these are qualifications of these real widows that have already been being lived out in their life, and now these widows are being put into ministry positions within the church. It's just kind of a neat thing to see. And so we'll kind of hustle through this text And we see these requirements for these widows based on their maturity, their fidelity, and their charity. And this is all included or excluded by either their age or their attitude or their appetite. So, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she's been the wife of one man. So... You know, obviously, like my mother, who's 47 when she became a widow, you know, a wooden application of this text. like You're on your own, lady. You know, know, there was something going on that Paul's addressing. He's working with. And, of course, there are immediate needs for widows who are younger. Right. Um, But there's a bigger thought that's being uh, spoken of here. Um, And and there's character attributes. You know, this this wife, uh, this this widow, she's just stuck with that one man. And if she would have married another man, even after she had every right to, 1 Corinthians 7 tells us, then she has other people to help take care of her in her widowhood. Okay, Verse 10, this, some of these wonderful characteristics of her. She's well-reported for good works. These beautiful deeds um, of intense practicality of just a life lived, living for the Lord. And that is that she's brought up children Again, just thinking of you mothers as I was studying this week, that one day you'll be here. One day you'll be this widow, spoken of here. Brought up children. We all know what that entails, don't we? I mean, that is a selfless life of service. Bringing up children. It's not just having children. It's bringing up children. Okay? Bringing up children. Lodging strangers. Man, you read the New Testament and you read the Old Testament, you read about the widow of Zephora and how she took care of Elijah. You know, that man, these, these women just taking care and being service. It's going to be natural for these servants to be placed into a ministry of service within the church, taking care of strangers, being given to hospitality. She's washing the saints' feet. She's relieving the afflicted. She's diligently followed every good work. And so you have this woman who's... Probably older, older than sixty. She's um, just ornamented with good deeds. And here's what our culture says: Hey, all of you women that are just—it's like you're—it's like you're, it's like you're uh, a well-aged wine, you know, or you're just—you just—it's just seasoned well, you know. And and then our culture says, okay, so now go to Arizona for like half the year or more. And it's like no, like we need you. You're useful to us. You are primed for a minute. No, don't go live for yourself. Don't just go count down the years until you're out of here. You know, like, please get involved in the ministry of the church because you are just you just seasoned with these life experiences of good deeds and beautiful deeds. It goes on to say, but refuse the younger widows for when they've begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry having condemnation because they've cast off their first faith, so
0: it's really dealing with something
1: that was happening in Ephesus, you know, you'd have a a woman come in, and she's still 42, and she's a widow, and she's just like, I just want to dedicate the rest of my life to serving Jesus here in the church, and she sits back there, and she's like, I'm going to go to every service that we've got at this church, and and then pretty soon, you know, uh, another possible young widow man walks in, and he's over there on that side of the church, and she's like, I guess biblically, I could get married, and wonder how tall he is, you know, and oh, maybe I'll just go introduce myself, and then, oh, and, and so there, perhaps, and many of the things I've read was that, you know, that, that she made some big commitment, and in Ephesus, when you make that commitment, but then you back out of it so that you can even do something biblical, like get married again, it, it's, just, it's just not good, so um, happy Mother's Day to all of you for that, yes. <laughs> If you're not really ready to be one of these seasoned saint, widow, women's ministry ladies, in verse 13, you learn to be idle. You're wandering around from house to house. You're not only idle, but you're also gossip and a busybody saying things which ought not. You know, you're not in that maturity state to have that kind of ministry. So your ministry is going house to house, and then, you know, you're learning stuff in this house, and you're kind of like, well, I don't say a word, but over there at at that house, blah, 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 and it's just not good. Uh, and then verse 14, Therefore I desire that the younger win- widows marry. Just go ahead and just go and get married again and bear children and manage the house. Give no opportunity for the adversary to speak reproachfully. And the devil's already tried to get enough ammo to speak wickedly against the church and against the saints. So, and just don't, try not to put yourself in a position where that's happening. For some have already turned after Satan. Man, there's like wicked widows. Okay, just full on going after Satan. if any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them. Do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those who are really widows. So let's stand together. And as we get into verse 16 there, we just see that, uh, yes, the church provides for widows. But the church provides for real widows. And if a widow has family that can help take care of their needs, the church ought not be burdened. It's kind of a severe word, right? Like, don't talk about widows. Like, It's a burden on the church. And so there's other ways that God's ordained for these widows to be taken care of. And if she can't be taken care of.